From my quiet and peaceful home in suburban St. Louis County, Missouri, don't call me the city, this is Michael's Insurance Daily, a, well, sort of daily insurance coverage and bad faith podcast put on by me, your host, your favorite coverage lawyer in St. Louis, Missouri, Michael Young. If you uh, have not been a regular follower of the podcast, I'd like to provide you now with a summary of the recent episodes. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, lately it's been crickets, and the reason for that is, is frankly, I've just been way too busy with uh, work assignments and files and cases to dedicate myself to the podcast like I would have liked. It's been a uh, crazy few weeks uh, in my uh, practice, and uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job keeping up, but some things had to slide a little, and one of those, unfortunately, was the uh, podcast, so happy to uh, be back. Uh, We'll do a few more episodes of this podcast in this format, and then we'll probably take a break and then come back with something uh, a little interesting, maybe later in the summer or the fall. I don't know. We'll have to watch this space a little bit on that. But uh, for now, uh, for a few more episodes, we're going to do Michael's Insurance Daily, and uh, I can't think of a better way to... uh, come back into the Michael's Insurance Daily Podcast and by inviting my very good friend Sherry Blitz on here to uh, chat with us a little bit about virtual jury trials. You may remember when Sherry joined us for a series of podcasts to discuss social inflation and nuclear verdicts. Welcome back, Sherry. It's great to have you. I understand you have an exciting new venture you've been working on during your time in quarantine. Can you uh, share a little bit about that? Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for having me back on your podcast. Talking to you on the air is even more fun than talking to you on LinkedIn. So yes, I'm thrilled to announce my quarantine has not totally been spent on Netflix and eating ice cream, though a good part certainly has. And if you need any television recommendations, I'm going to suggest you start with Ozark and then move right on to Succession. So um Kidding aside, the exciting new venture, I started a communications company called Sherry Bellis Communications. It is psychology methodology for litigation education. How's that for an elevator pitch? That's great. How did you uh, come up with the idea for an education company? Well, my favorite part of trial consulting has always been teaching classes, seminars, doing podcasts, webcasts, and CLE. So I wanted to start a company where the primary goal was to educate lawyers and insurance professionals how to use social psychology to achieve favorable litigation outcomes. And I actually call this company my Corona baby. So how are you doing, Mike? Things are moving quickly in the insurance coverage world, and it's probably a very exciting place to be now. You've been doing a lot of great work with keeping the insurance community updated. How do you even keep up? Do you sleep much? Well, it's it's been challenging, particularly the uh, last couple of weeks. There's so much going on in, in the world generally and just reflecting on that. But, but as professionally, it's been a very busy time. And frankly, that's one of the reasons I've uh, not kept up on the podcast as much as I'm just trying to keep up with my cases and my files and uh, n- not commit malpractice. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly been a, been a challenge. But, uh, you know, diving in, it seems like over, almost overnight anyway, the hottest legal topic in the legal community 
is virtual jury trials. By virtual jury trials, I mean Zoom or other online platforms for jury trials. I know that the legal community has watched in awe, really, as a jury trial in Texas proceeded online recently. For those of us who didn't watch, uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, so the case in Texas that has caught everyone's attention has been characterized as a quote-unquote summary jury trial, which is an alternative dispute resolution process. And in this particular case, the parties participated in a one-day online jury trial, followed the next day by a mediation session, attempted to settle the dispute. Um, so the jury selection was live streamed on YouTube. I know a lot of people have seen it, and the rest of the proceeding was in private. So conceptually, this is not that much different than what trial consultants have been doing for online mock trials for years. Um, so let me break that down for you. When a client chooses to do an online mock trial, the clients and their lawyers get to watch the jury deliberations at home on their computer, and they later can make informed decisions as to whether to take the matter to trial or similar to this situation, perhaps reach a settlement based on the information they learn during deliberations. The format of what was done in Texas, excluding the actual selection, in fact, was quite similar to what litigation consulting community has been doing for years. So before we get into the issues surrounding online juries, let's take a look at a traditional jury trial and talk about that in light of COVID. Now, I know in New York City where you live and St. Louis where I live, we will probably not see a courtroom for a very long time, but, or at least for jury trials. But there are other areas of the country where the economy is opening and courthouses are starting to open as well. So is it possible that we may have situations where there is a live jury trial prior to having any type of vaccine or cure for COVID? That is correct. Well, can you talk to me a little bit about some of the related issues that we can expect to see for a live jury trial that proceeds during the COVID pandemic? Sure. Um, so there are so many issues that we're going to see with a live jury trial that proceeds during COVID. So I'm going to break the issues down into logistical issues and then into the more theoretical, psychological, legal issues. And those are going to be the issues that we are likely to see for years at the appellate level. So first, the logistical issues. And these seem to be the primary focus as we start to open the courts around the country. The threshold question being, how will an in-person jury trial during COVID look? So let's start with the jury summons. As I've said before, most people don't like to see that jury summons on an average day. So how are they going to feel getting summoned to a public place with lots of people during a pandemic? One of the first questions in my mind is, will a prospective juror receiving a summons during this pandemic be granted a greater leeway to defer service? And if so, will that criteria be objective, such as an age cutoff or a documented health or medical reason, perhaps essential worker status? Or will there be more of an honor system in place, something where a deferral is just sort of automatic if one chooses, as in if they're not comfortable, they can defer, which of course begs the question, will there be even a jury then in this case, will enough people be comfortable to actually serve on a jury? 
So the next issue we hit after the summons is once it's determined there will be a large enough jury pool, how many cases can proceed at a time? In a non-pandemic world, it is great to have a lot of cases proceeding. So if a prospective juror is stricken for one type of case, they can go back into the pool, they can be selected for another type of case. However, in a pandemic world, it's probably too risky to have too many cases proceeding simultaneously. Next, we hit the topic of medical concerns, and this is going to be, um, this is very popular. I mean, I know you've had the haircut lately. People are starting to go to gyms around the country. Um, so different areas of public accommodation have different testing, different testing criteria. So will jurors be required to take a COVID test, an antibody test, have a temperature check before they report for service? All logistical questions, which we're going to see. Now, what about when we actually make it to the jury pool room? How are the, are the jurors going to be seated? Is there enough room to be within six feet? Must everyone wear a mask? How will the jury pool room be cleaned? How often will it be cleaned? Who will be cleaning it? Should these questions be resolved and we actually make it to a courtroom, how are the jurors going to be seated for voir dire? Will spots be cleaned once a prospective juror is stricken and another takes their place? Will jurors be able to adequately hear the judge, the lawyers, the witnesses? Will the stenographers be able to hear when everyone in that courtroom is masked? Uh, you know, first of all, I appreciate the shout out on the haircut. Uh, but second of all, more importantly, you're, you're right. There, there are just so many logistical issues here to think about. But uh, what about some of the more legal and possibly appealable issues we may have to deal with in the context of an in-person COVID jury? So, Mike, this is actually something we talked about really briefly right after the crisis hit in the COVID nuclear um, verdict podcast, episode 72. One of the primary concerns with traditional in-person juries regards the statistical concept of selection bias, which is when the jury pool is seated, um, that they're not representative of what the jury pool would look like pre-COVID. So an in-person jury pool is likely gonna, during COVID is likely gonna skew a little younger, healthier as older people or people with medical conditions may defer service. It may skew a combination of the unemployed or those who are very securely employed as those who are precariously employed may defer service for fear of losing their job. There may be related childcare issues for potential jurors. So the jury may skew heavily towards those who do not have young children. These during COVID juries may have a dearth of essential workers, such as those in the healthcare profession. They may also skew towards those who have a car and who do not need to take public transportation. This is um, an issue, it's a larger issue in some geographic regions more than others, like I'm in New York, everyone's very dependent on public transportation. So this is definitely more of an issue in urban geographic areas. Um, also, since COVID is disproportionately affecting minority communities, there may be a disparate impact regarding resulting representation issues 
And all of these above concerns, of course, can lead to appellate issues down the line. Also, I want to go back to the masked witnesses and lawyers for a second. So on its face, pun intended, this may mask itself, another pun intended, but come on, I've been locked up for weeks. I need my bad humor as logistic issues. But as criminal defense attorneys have pointed out to me, this can actually be more along the lines of legal issues, of appellate issues. Um, and in fact, a friend of mine who's a criminal defense attorney told me a story about how pre-COVID he was trying a case and the prosecution's star witness would not remove her large sunglasses. There was a sidebar with the judge in arguments and arguments that this implicated the confrontation clause because the accused and the jury could not assess the demeanor without having the benefit of really seeing her face. Sherry, there's just you know, so much great information to think about and unpack there with respect to an in-person COVID trial, not to mention, what if someone is summoned to service and then gets sick soon after? Some liability issues as well, I would imagine. Definitely another topic for another podcast. So let's move on to talk about virtual trials and some of the related logistical and theoretical and legal issues you anticipate. Let me start by saying, um, as someone who is totally a technology dinosaur, and many of us in the legal community are, um, though not with your podcast and your website, you're really ahead of the curve. But um, I'm kind of proud of us dinosaurs. We've come a long way in a short time, and we're getting very comfortable using technology in our business, in our practice. And in fact, attorneys and mediators have raved about the convenience and the efficiency, the cost savings of conducting mediations, for example, virtually. As I mentioned earlier, in trial consulting, we've been conducting online mock trials for years. We continue to do so during the pandemic. Um, the technology and the logistics are not that difficult and are in fact just slightly more involved than a mediation. And unquestionably, the largest benefit is, of course, there's no threat to health with the side benefit of not having to deal with any of the related logistical issues discussed in the live jury trial section. No masks, no cleaning, no social distancing. What are the concerning legal and theoretical issues from your perspective? So this is where the big issues are found. First, just as we discussed selection bias regarding an in-person jury trial, selection bias is going to be an issue with a virtual trial as well. Although the elderly and those with health conditions may not face the same biases as they would for an in-person trial, there will be other selection biases. Those who do not have access to technology or do not know how to use technology will likely not be able to participate in this process. This can be a distinct advantage for one side in a highly technical case and a distinct disadvantage for their adversary. Those who have small children to care for may either have to defer and if they don't, they may face serious distraction during the trial and possibly cause a mistrial. So a related issue which really crosses the line between logistical and appealable is, are your jurors being distracted? Is someone surfing the web and doing grocery shopping on their phone when an expert 
expert testifying, but much more serious. Is the juror conducting online research about the trial, about the witnesses, looking at Google um, in a case with like maybe big pre-trial publicity, for example? I mean, could you imagine trying the Harvey Weinstein case um, virtually? I mean, people would be all over Google doing real-time research. Next, there are a myriad of privacy issues to consider. What if this is a highly sensitive trial and there is a juror with a large family, or not even a large family, but a family living in very close quarters? Will they be defer? Will they have to defer? Will they be struck? And if so, this is selection bias once again. And there may be a related issue involved in voir dire as well. If a virtual juror is being questioned about personal issues, it may inhibit them from answering truthfully if a family member is nearby and they do not want them to hear or know about the issue. Another issue with a virtual trial is similar to that of trying a live case with a mask. Um, in a virtual trial, it can be a lot more difficult to assess body language, to assess demeanor, social cues of lawyers, of witnesses, and during deliberations, jurors may also be biased against each other based on their preconceived um, and perceived socioeconomic status, which may be easier to ask, be easier to ascertain when jurors are deliberating from their home rather than an in-person neutral deliberation room. But perhaps the most serious concerns involving a virtual trial certainly involve criminal trials and whether a virtual trial violates the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution. I've had many conversations with those in the criminal defense community about these issues, and they have expressed some very serious constitutional concerns as to whether a jury trial online violates their clients, someone whose liberty is at stake, constitutional rights. So this is an appealable issue if I've ever seen one. I, I tend to agree with you. You know, we are uh, uh, certainly living in interesting times. You know, whoever said, may you live in interesting times, I think I said the other day, should have defined a little bit more what he or she meant by interesting. Uh, but that, that's certainly where, where <laughs> we are. And uh, sure, I, I think you've given us a lot to think about and, and some, some great ideas and, and thoughts. And I always uh, appreciate and look forward to when you come on the podcast because you you just you know do such a great job breaking these issues down and explaining them for us in in, in a way that e even someone like me can understand. So I I appreciate <laughs> that uh, I appreciate that a whole lot, Cherry. If uh, people want to get a hold of you and and discuss these uh, matters more with you, what are the uh, best ways for them to do that? Sure. Um, well, certainly they can reach me on LinkedIn. That's where I usually hang out most of the day. But um, also, if you want to contact me directly, you can contact me at Sherry, that's S-H-A-R-I, at Sherry Bellitz, one word, S-H-A-R-I-B-E-L-I-T-Z.com, or go to my website, SherryBellitz.com. Great. Thank you so much, Sherry. I appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you liked what you heard today, I would love it if you were to subscribe and also share this uh, podcast with your friends and colleagues. 
If you want to learn more about me, Michael Young, just uh, go to my website, michaelyoungstl.com. That's michaelyoungstl.com. You can find my articles, blog posts, uh, links to my LinkedIn, Twitter, email, all that good stuff. As always, you have to remember that the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Have a great day.